Ali, why do you use Southern implants? I love these implants. Brilliant. I have options like coaxis, which 38% of implants that are used by Southern are coaxis, which means that 38% of the time, if you don't have coaxis angle correction at implant level, you're compromising on your treatment plan. On top of that, soft bone implants for the pterygoids, as well as the max implants, immediates for molars, can save having zygomatic implants. Definitely the way to go. Ali, can you name everything in the practice that's made by WNH? Ooh, off the top of my head, all of our hand pieces, our sterilization equipment, my implant motor, the PisoMed, they're an incredible company to work with because they're an Austrian company that focus on hygiene and we know from studies that patients care most about hygiene. To top it all off, the support we get from them is amazing. They don't actually supply the equipment, but they provide the support. Now that's true support. Greetings dental professionals. I'm Flo, a new addition to the field. And I'm Ali, a seasoned dentist who's been around for a while. Welcome to Pearl's Two Generations in Dentistry, where we explore the depth of dental expertise. You can find us on Instagram at Pearl's Dental Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this special episode split into two parts so that we could include all the vital information on staying safe in dentistry. Welcome to part two. Something that I've actually liked to sometimes do is you know you can go on the GDC thing and it shows you what people have been... The gossip pages. Yeah, basically <laughs> for a for. And it is interesting, I think, looking at the, the trends of what complaints are about and I think there's a lot a lot sort of now about sort of that not being explained a risk yeah so this is the thing if you're doing 10-15 minute checkups and you're having to talk about root canals and crowns in that time it's just not possible you know Mm. you need time to discuss these things or you need to be referring to someone who's going to take the time to have these Mm. conversations patients don't complain generally because something goes wrong that was a risk of their procedure. Mm-hmm. I think they complain because they either don't like you or they feel you don't care. Mm. And if you don't care, you shouldn't be in this job. I think you're doomed mm. to fail in that sense. Um, but the we know that it's Apple's terms and conditions again. You can give them a sheet of paper with all the risks. And actually you should, and you should say to them, read this, mm-hmm. and you should mention it to them. But actually some people are waiting for you to do something. And actually, if you care about all of your patients and if something is genuinely concerning to them, even if it's something that you think is trivial, you had a case where someone came in because after um, a cosmetic appointment, there was a tiny dot on a tooth still, <laughs> right? I mean, it was it was microscopic, <laughs> but you didn't go, well, it's just a dot. I don't know why you've come back. You went, oh yeah, let me get that dot. There you go, that looks great. And the patient went, Oh, thank you. That looks great. And actually, you know, we have a hundred sliding doors moments with these patients. Mm -hmm. And it's just about addressing concerns. It's about not fobbing anyone off. And if you feel like their concerns are constant and unreasonable, Mm. that's the flag not to carry out the treatment, right? But once you do the treatment, just if someone's worried, if someone's having a problem, you just got to keep keep on top of it or offer a referral. Oh, definitely. uh, When I did my... um, 
before getting into dental school when you do those observations with a dentist down in Portsmouth. And I always remember him saying, he was like, as long as um, patients like you, like you'll be fine. He was like, you can be an absolutely rubbish dentist, but if they like you, it doesn't, that you'll be fine. He was like, you could be an incredible dentist, but if they don't like you, that's when there's problems. Yeah. Um, yeah it's the hardest job to start is one where you're taking over a list mm-hmm. from a dentist who wasn't clinically very good, but was the nicest person. Mm-hmm. And this is also where, you know, in terms of staying safe, following um, guidelines and protocols and then documenting them accordingly, mm-hmm. systematically, mm-hmm. is so key. Because if it becomes about someone not liking you, you need to be able to prove that you did everything you could in mm-hmm. their best interest according to clinical guidelines. Mm. I definitely think nowadays there's so much we've got at our disposal for that re- good record keeping sort of taking photos whether it's yes. intraoral cameras or dslr ones as scanners well, we, we, which we talked yes, about as well yes so you've got sort of records of that um we well we our nursing team take full photographic mm. clinical records of every single patient and mm. we have patients go oh i don't want my photos taken we go okay You'll have to find a practice that's willing to treat you with mm. that because it's a bit like you not filling out your medical history here. Mm-hmm. We need the full set mm. of records. Oh, definitely. And I think it's, I mean, it's really good reflective practice, like taking it, that you know, if you're doing a filling, during the filling, but actually as well, you've got it there. You can just show them like there was a crack here. We had to yes. take this out. This wasn't expected here. So we moved this. And quite often patients actually really like that. But also for your records, you can show absolutely step by step what you've done yeah. in order to sort of save a tooth yeah um, well i have a i have a 4k camera on my light um from plan Mecca. it's called the solana camera mm-hmm. and i record my surgeries mm. so it's just there mm-hmm. this kind of the records are there and you know that it, mm. it's always good to to be watched and be watching yourself yes i think it's it's scary having someone sort of over your shoulder but it does it makes you step up yeah i was actually talking to my husband about this we in relation to running and he was like it's really weird that when you go running with other people suddenly as human beings we want to you you run better you run that little bit faster because ultimately I just imagine Tom in. racing all his friends on the road <laughs> he, only, he only runs with me it was me I went for a run with CDF runners and it, it was yeah so you do you just run that little bit faster um and, and yeah I think human beings we all want to fit in but yeah if you do have someone over your shoulder, and like we said before, actually you've always got a nurse over your shoulder, which I think does keep you that little bit more accountable. Yes. Anyway, what do you think of some of these more, I'm going to say modern now, because I know some of them have been out for quite a while, um, things like Kuroku for notes. Yeah. Um, so I use Kuroku. I really like it. Um, <coughs> I feel I feel like um, the for me, the voice recording kind of has superseded the importance of the of the written notes Mm -hmm. because i start my written notes by saying voice recorded Mm -hmm. with consent and the voice recordings there and actually you know ai has meant that you can just get a transcript if you wanted Mm -hmm. and that should be the notes (coughs) but kiroko means that my my the the beauty of kiroko is i have my clinical notes laid out in a way where my nurses can click as we go but also they can then prompt me if there's anything in that list that we didn't do. So that's mm-hmm. what I really like about it. And it means that I don't leave anything out. It might be sometimes you might, for example, look at someone's <clears throat> smile line 
but not write anything down. Mm -hmm. So this means that if I haven't called something out in a consultation, my nurses will say, what's the smile line like? And it means that things are both being looked at and recorded properly. So I really like um, <laughs> using Kuroku. Um, I think Hannah, who's, who started Kuroku, uh, she's a dentist and she's a wet finger dentist. So she always stayed in dentistry. And I think she really, when you speak to her, you see the passion, but also the fact that she's really tried to create something that, that is for clinicians mm -hmm. and she's a clinician. And I think there's a lot of uses for it. The I I place less importance on it now because I have my workflows and I'm in one building. But at one point when I was traveling to seven practices, mm -hmm. that was a godsend, Kiroku. It was so mm -hmm. important. And I think you're in multiple practices. Mm -hmm. Cass comes here and is in multiple practices. She uses Kiroku. Um and the quality of the clinical notes, I'm not going to name names, but of the clinicians who use Kuroku <laughs> and those who don't is... Well, I actually don't use it at the moment. Um, I definitely am thinking of doing it. I've got quite good... And I know, again, with indemnity, there's sort of, some people are against templates and everything, but I sort of use my template a bit like you, where it's sort of my nurse can read it yeah. and then I can go through and they can be like, oh, what do you want to write for this but, one? And it is that really good see, prompt. The beauty of Kuroku is... Rather than you going to go type it out or your nurse having to type it out, yeah, you have lots of options. So you and phrase <clears throat> the way you speak. That's the beauty. Mm -hmm. I say things to patients a certain way, and we mm -hmm. can phrase our options in that same way. Um, if you um, do sort of get something that's a little bit difficult, you're like, I'm going to do this, but it's got really high risks. How often do you get sort of a patient to sign an extra? consentful oh i don't we either get each other or we don't okay yeah i, I record our voices i say mm -hmm. look this is a you know this is a hail mary or this is like a this is you know a high risk of of not working mm -hmm. um do you want to try it because i don't want to put you through this without mm -hmm. you understanding that and there's no you know that a lot of i say this about most contracts they're not worth the paper they're written on i keep <laughs> saying that um honestly if if you do something in a patient signed a piece of paper they'll they still mm -hmm. could come after you for for one of a better way of saying it um so yeah i i, I don't bother i think it's actually quite abrasive mm -hmm. someone shoving a piece of paper in front of you saying sign this to say that what i'm going to do isn't going to work <laughs> um, yeah I, th I think i think the honest conversations it being well documented and especially the voice recordings i can't stress that enough it mm -hmm. just means everyone's on the same page enough what would you do sort of you're in a work environment and maybe things haven't been sort of going to plan but you're not feeling supported by sort of the other people you're working with sort of what do you do when you're feeling really uncomfortable in that work environment so i know it's the it's a cop-out but you need to not work in environments like that they're mm -hmm. not good for us just like you need to find a good match for your patient you go mm -hmm. need to get along you need to have a good philosophical match, an ethical match with mm -hmm. your practice. Um, and if it's over one situation, fine. It could just be a difference in opinions. But if you're feeling put at risk where you're working mm -hmm. by whatever it is, because it's a very non-specific question, um, then I think you need to consider working somewhere else. Mm. I think it's really, I know, I know, know this is one of the issues with sort of that um, how long once you give you a contract and you're having to stay in a practice afterwards. And yes. I think this is where things can get sort of a little bit messy. And then sometimes if they want you to finish extra cases and it, I do think it's quite difficult in dentistry almost to, 
to fully leave. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Um, it's a messy divorce when you leave a place and you're a clinician. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, particularly if you've not had that support, I d- there's a lot, I think, that can go into sort of people's mental well-being yes. during that time. Yes. It, it's, yeah, it is really, I think it's re- it is a really difficult situation. It's sort of knowing where your boundaries are and setting your boundaries um, and then looking for sort of those support networks outside to get you through that I think is so important as well um I think most dentists have been through that mm-hmm. and so I think if you were to put um a post anonymously on like <laughs> mental dental or a group mm. like that I think so many people would reach out mm-hmm. and there's so much collective wisdom about mm. most people going you know what just ignore that that mm. that's kind of what but when you're in it it's so difficult so mm-hmm. um and and it's all too common and it's really sad every time Someone has moved on from this practice. We wish them well. Mm-hmm. We try and look after things as if we're, they're the because because these decisions aren't personal. Mm-hmm. Life isn't about the practice owner or the practice philosophy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people have other things going on, and I think um, it's just to say that all of us need to remember that. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I think that leads you on to sort of the next thing was is that is that living. So I'm going to get this the wrong way around. Working to live, not living to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And having said that life outside of dentistry and that work-life balance, I think is so important as I, well. I agree. And that means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that balance sits in different places. But if you're not um, in a mentally positive place and you're not enjoying work, then it, it might be that you're in the right place doing the right thing, but you're doing it too much or too little. mm Oh yes, no, no, definitely, um, and it can it can sometimes be as well. You've just got those pressures outside of work at that point that then is feeding into yes, sort of where the headspace you're in then at work, um, and I think it is. I mean, it's for people in any industry getting that balance right. I think is is sort of one of the keys really to to general happiness. Yes, um, and. I know for me, one of the big things that I do to sort of keep keep myself um, level is exercise. Um, probably a little bit of an addict when it comes to exercise, but yeah, I just love running. And I know that if I've not gone for a run, I'm not as good a person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like, I, I talked about this before, but I have a seven day working week and a seven day <laughs> yeah, weekend. Yeah. Uh, um, and I found that, um, I wasn't sure what my balance is and I used to think okay for working four days mm. it's like oh this isn't working but actually spending a few hours in the morning um, doing non-clinical work mm. spending time with my daughter mm-hmm. doing some exercise um, doing something like taking the dogs for a walk mm-hmm. having a good meal that you prepare yourself mm that start to my day means that I come in and I love work and I love seeing my patients Mm -hmm. but that has taken development right like that takes time to figure out what your balance is what time of the day you want to be doing things whether some people (laughs) want to do three or four really long days and have three or four days off Mm -hmm. and that's okay as well that that kills me (laughs) Um, so I, I guess the other thing is is um everyone's different and don't be too judgmental of yourself mm. or others. Don't be harsh. Don't try and feel like you have to do what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Just maybe just 
do what feels right mm-hmm. and see if you can find your balance because then you'll actually enjoy your work a lot more yeah oh definitely and i think it's also ensuring like your team has that balance as yes. well um definitely as clinicians sort of you do have that leadership role so sometimes it is worth sort of a nudge sometimes to just be like actually let's let's make sure everyone is eating lots of nutritious sort of healthy things keeping brains functioning and everything and i think that it makes everyone's days that a little bit easier yes um well uh, one thing our our team our nursing team have a and and reception team uh sit with our practice manager alex every morning and they have a, a meeting where they look ahead at the day and just plan their day but they start their morning meeting with gratitude mm. and they talk about something they're thankful for at home and something they're thankful for at work. And that really sets the tone. And actually gratitude is something I started doing. Um, I don't even know when it was a few months ago. Um, and it's like starting your day with what you're thankful for. And it really makes you it's I was like, this is a silly thing to do, but I'll give it a go because someone was saying how good it is. And even talking about the things you're worried about, any um, anything you resent. And you know what it does? It just puts everything into perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think actually these these habits that make us positive and make us team players and make us thankful for what we have, it means that we all try and help each other get through the day and we have a much better day as a team. Mm. I think as well, when you, everyone's sort of, acting then on sort of that baseline it actually makes it easier than recognizing when someone isn't in the right headspace as well yes um and being able to then give them that support in some way i think you're very good at sort of supporting the whole team and recognizing sort of actually maybe someone needs to to go a little bit early because everything else is that's going on and that's actually going to be for the better for the team um yeah i do think that's something it takes there's obviously a lot of nuance to it and it takes a lot of years of practice in sort of recognizing recognizing that in others and how to then be there for someone i think it also is because we have a team that deserves to be treated like that it's taken years to get to a point where no one takes advantage of goodwill mm-hmm. actually everyone works way harder than they should a poor Haley, Haley's not going to like me <laughs> mentioning this but yesterday i walked into my surgery and I needed to use the computer and Haley was sitting at the computer and I said Haley um are you using the computer and said hmm and I went is that <laughs> yes yes you're using the computer but you don't want to say no to me and she said no if I'm honest I just wanted to sit down for five and I was like why don't you go sit down in the staff room and have a cup of tea she's and Haley hasn't been with us for as long she's our newest nurse mm-hmm. she, and she's kind of like oh I didn't know I was allowed to do that what, to like sit down and have a cup of tea because you work really hard and there's nothing that you have to be doing at this minute. But the fact is that we have a team that we almost have to force them to slow down and take a break, mm. which is such a privilege and such a nice thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think we, we owe it to each other and to our teams to actually make sure that we're not burning people out on mm-hmm. principle or on old habits. Definitely. And on the, if anyone is struggling, I think there there are some really useful things to sort of point people towards. Um, I know for me, I, I, I've gone through therapy um, a few times actually. Um, and I would say as well, if anyone, I think there's a lot, I think it's positive now that actually it isn't so sort of like, oh, you're in therapy. Um, but one thing that I definitely would also recommend is actually a bit like with a dentist is shopping around 
you're going to fit with some people and not others. Yeah. I've had therapists over the years that I clicked with and therapists that I did not click with. Yeah. Um, and it is worth sort of looking around. There's a really good um, website where you can, I can't remember what it's called now. It's the therapy. Like get, get them to sponsor us. Yeah, no, <laughs> they effectively, <laughs> you can sort of put in your area, the, the areas you want, and it gives you sort of a whole list and you can sort of then go through and contact different people. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. I'd recommend that maybe, maybe you could share that on our socials. Yes, yeah, no, I will do. Because I think, you know, I think the, the taboo around looking for help and powering through things and it's just dated now. And actually, um, everyone in our industry, but clinicians especially, have a lot of pressure that they put on themselves, that's put on them by uh, practice, by patients. And it's really important that no one feels like they have to power through anything. Mm -hmm. It's not necessary. Definitely. Um, we'll wrap up in a second. I've got just got a couple of questions from um, the listeners. Um, one was actually, I thought it was quite interesting. How do you motivate a patient that can't take responsibility for their dental health? Won't. Won't take responsibility. <laughs> Won't. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was phrased as can't. <laughs> yeah. um, I think you're very good at this. I think you connect with people and you find a way to connect what you're asking them to do to their goals. Mm -hmm. The fact is you'll never have 100% on that mm -hmm. and and especially if you what you do you're working with perio mm -hmm. essentially people then won't be motivated won't see change and will drop off it's a lot like i'd liken it to um i for the last few months have been seeing shauna for my personal training and she's amazing mm -hmm. and some people will see her for a bit they won't do what she says they won't see results and they'll stop seeing her and it's the same thing mm -hmm. right so you have to want to achieve goals and essentially the people that don't will just tail off mm -hmm. but you have to take the time i think to connect with them and make that little effort like you said you talked to mm -hmm. them about i'm guessing you talked to them about running about being <laughs> vegan about sustainability yeah. you know all the thing no things no one knows about you yeah. I'm, te I'm teasing but it can be anything it can it can literally mm -hmm. be anything you know i'm i'm grew up in kenya mm -hmm. um i don't understand rugby i don't like the rain and I find a way to connect with people in Wales. Um, so I think... How? Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we have in common? Um, but people are people, right? And people yeah. have family and they have things they worry about. And actually, you know what? Giving people a chance to speak so they can open up a little bit about their concerns, their fears. Mm -hmm. And I ask them... I ask a lot in one appointment, whatever appointment it is, do you have any questions? Mm -hmm. Just keep leaving openings there and some people you just will never get anything from mm -hmm. but i think it's a good way to start oh yeah no definitely definitely um next question i don't know if you do want to do a name drop here but someone has said which indemnity would you actually recommend so i'm with tds and i tailor defense services and i really like them right but i know a few people who work with different indemnity providers and i really respect these people and I know um, Neil Jaswell uh, started an indemnity company. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Neil, if you're listening, you're probably not. But um, uh, it's one of the new insurance, newer insurance companies. And you can look him up. Neil's a really nice guy, um, gives really honest advice as well. Um, there's There are a few. Uh, honestly, like for me, discretion, like I don't care if I'm allowed to say this or not. Um, discretionary indemnity that is feeding shareholders and protecting members i mean the price is going to keep going up and up and up people are going to keep leaving and at the end 
your discretionary company is not going to have any money left to protect you and then they're going to choose to drop you mm-hmm. um everyone can write in and tell me i'm wrong i don't care um <laughs> so find a good insurer <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair enough and lastly how do you recognize when something is affecting your mental health oh wow um so i think um over time i've gotten better at recognizing it mm-hmm. i think I'm lucky that I have a lot of good people around me who might recognize it. And if Mm -hmm. people keep asking me if I'm okay, (laughs) then I know there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, But also just kind of um, gauging your mood, taking the time every day for me to just the gratitudes. And so I actually, you know, I might, I might read out the things that I look at every morning because I think these are really helpful. Actually, Aston asked me for a copy of these and I sent them to him the other day because I was telling him about how how useful this exercise is. Mm -hmm. And essentially, the list of five things. So first, five gratitudes, Mm -hmm. things to strive for, Mm -hmm. fears or resentments, plans for the day, and things to watch out for. Mm -hmm. And you go through that list when you wake up and you'll notice your baseline is different on certain days. Mm-hmm. And that becomes one of your things to look out for. One of your things to strive for might be to mm-hmm. take some time for quiet reflection or to go for a walk, exercise, eat mm-hmm. better, sleep earlier, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I think what we have to do is we have to take the time to listen to mm-hmm. ourselves is my yeah. advice. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, some little little things that I do sort of when I know, so it's not really recognizing it, but when I know that I am feeling that little bit overwhelmed, um, I definitely get quite a few physical symptoms, like my heart will start going, so that warm feeling and things. One thing I do is actually um, just covering my eyes, yeah. sitting in sort of, you're putting yourself in the dark a little bit um, and just, you know, really focusing on the breath. I think that just really helps calm things down. And then another thing that um, me and my husband do is that the five, four, three, two, one. So you you just sort of stop and you say five things that you can see around you four things you can hear, three things um, you can sort of feel, mm-hmm. two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. So you go through all of your senses. Very good. I, it would be very hard to do it in a different order. Because, but, um, yeah, yeah. But, um, if you can taste five things, I would be impressed. Something else yeah. is going on. Um, but I think it just really makes you sort of focus and dial down. I think that just really sometimes can take... And I do it in surgery even sometimes when yeah, things go really and you're just trying to bring it, bring it back, sort of almost step back from the dentistry so that then you can sort of go back into it. I think that could be really yeah, useful. That's really good. Good advice. Okay. Well, thank you so much for today. Thank um, you. It's been a little bit of a longer episode there. And um, yeah, thank you to everyone that's listened. If anyone um, wants to reach out with any sort of future topic suggestions or any questions on anything, um, yeah, send us a message on um, at Pearls at Dental Podcast. Um, but yeah, thank you, Ali, for your time there. Thank you, Flo. And um, don't forget, if you're, if you're listening, you can't see me looking at the camera. <laughs> um, but thanks to producer Simon, these uh, episodes are also on YouTube with a pretty cool setting of the practice behind us. And please uh, subscribe, like and rate the show, whether it's podcast or YouTube, because that will help other people find us. Thank you for listening to Pearl's Two Generations in Dentistry. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Pearl's Dental Podcast. Send us a DM with any questions, queries or topic suggestions. And remember, you can watch our episodes on YouTube. Please rate and review the podcast. This episode was produced by Simon Regan.